Good day. This is Brother Jim Ellis. I want to welcome you to this podcast entitled, And They Shall Call His Name Jesus. Matthew 1.18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The birth, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ forever changed the course of the destiny of the human race. At his resurrection, he became the first among many creatures. That is, he was the first to die and be raised from the dead to never die again. And that shall also be the fate of those who have been physically and then reborn spiritually in Jesus Christ. Psalms 2.7 says, I would declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. According to the Apostle Paul, God the Father said this in the book of Psalms to God the Son the day he rolled back that rock which covered his tomb and the day that he walked out into the daylight. Jesus Christ is said to be the Son of God in the Bible because of his resurrection. He is the firstborn Son of God, not because he was a created being, but because he was the first among many who will be resurrected from the dead to never die again. Death, as it is viewed in the epistles of Paul, is still the enemy. There's nothing glorious about the event of death. There have been a few people in the Bible who never tasted the darkness of death. They were taken up out of this world and never subjected to the sting of death, as the Bible calls it. Others have been recorded to have died in the scriptures, but then brought back to life, but they all eventually died once again. One day there'll be a group of believers in Jesus Christ who will be alive at the moment of the rapture. They will be accounted among those lucky few who will never have to experience the sting and darkness of death. If Jesus Christ had not burst forth from that grave victorious, he would have not been who he said he was, the Son of God. He would have been the deceiver that some men have claimed him to be. But he was resurrected, and he did roll back that stone, and he is alive now and forever. And so shall we live because he lives for all time and eternity. There's a tremendous passage in the book of Isaiah concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9, 6 says this. 
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment, with justice. From henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I have pastored four local churches over my lifetime. And I've been privileged to preach from this passage on several church, or several times in those churches. But I've always gone away feeling like I failed to do justice to the majesty and person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never preached the same message twice from this passage. Every time I have attempted to do so or attempted to preach from this passage, I've torn up the message afterward feeling as though I completely failed to rightly describe the magnitude of the names of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm going to try once again in this podcast message. I suppose I'll fail, but I'll do my best, the best that I can. These five words are descriptive names of the Lord Jesus Christ, ascribed to Him by the Holy Spirit of God. He was given these names before He was ever born into the world as a man in the flesh. Names in the Bible are often descriptive of certain characteristics of a person. We in America, most of our names really don't mean much of anything, but in many other cultures, they describe certain character traits of a person. I suppose kind of like the movie, The Western, of Kevin Costner. The Indians saw him playing tag with the wolf, so they gave him the name Dances with Wolves. These names in the Word of God that are given here concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. These are descriptive words, names, given to the Lord Jesus Christ to describe certain various traits concerning him. The first one is wonderful. Mm. When the Holy Spirit of God searched out the English language for the perfect word to begin to describe the Son of the living God, he chose the word wonderful. That word is often used by people when oh, other words fail to fully describe a particular person or event or particular matter. When all other articulations of words fail, this word is the one most times people often resort to in using when all other words fail to adequately describe someone or something. I heard a preacher recount the story of a conversation he heard between his, his daughter and her mother. His daughter graduated from high school and went off to Christian college. And when she came back on a particular holiday, he heard this conversation going on at the kitchen table between his mother or his daughter and her mother, his wife. The daughter said 
to the mother, Mom, I've met a guy at college. He's going to be a missionary, and he's, he's from a really good Christian family. He's so handsome, Mama. Kind of tall. Got brown hair. Mama, he has the most beautiful eyes. Mama, he's so polite to everyone. And Mama, when he comes to pick me up for a date, we have prayer before we leave. Mama, he's always a gentleman towards me, and he treats me like a queen. She said, Mama, I wish I could describe him to you, but but Mama, well, Mama, he's just wonderful. When human words are found to be inadequate to describe the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe the Holy Spirit of God paused. He looked out, considered all the other words in the English language, but he decided to use His name shall be called Wonderful. Peter said, Whom not having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. We as Christians do not serve a cold set of religious rites and rituals. We serve a living person. A lot of Maybe good and not so good things could be said of Peter and his personality, but one thing is for sure. The Bible leaves no doubt in any way that Peter loved the Lord Jesus Christ with all of his heart. R.G. Lee said of him, the Lord Jesus Christ, He is Emmanuel, God with us. He has God's eternal purpose consummated. He has love's eternal dream dramatized. He is pity's tears in bloody crystals. He is justice married to mercy. He is righteousness and peace and fond embrace. He is the creator wedded to his creation. He is righteousness and peace. He is eternal beauty, adorning, abolishing deformity. His divine sinews woven and interlaced with mortal woof. He is Adam, advocate, anointed, apostle, author, Amen, Alpha, ancient of days, born of woman. He is the beginning, the begotten, the beloved, the branch, the bridegroom, the bread, the bright and morning star, the bishop of our souls and the brightness of the Father's glory. He is the cluster of camphor. He is the captain of our salvation. He is the consolation of men. He is the chief cornerstone, the counselor, the covenant, the chosen of God and the eternal Christ our Lord. He is the daysman, the deliverer, the dayspring, the daystar, the door of heaven to desire of all nations. He is the elect, the ensign, the everlasting father and Emmanuel. He is the finisher of our faith, our forerunner, our friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is the first fruits, the faithful witness, the fountain of life issuing from the cave of death. He is God, the gift of God, the governor. He is the guide of our glorious Lord and our glorious hope. He is our health, our hope, our horn of salvation. Our hearer in the time of trouble. He is the head of the church, the heir of all things, the high priest. He is hell's dread and heaven's wonder, the holy one of God. He is priest, Passover, potentate, prophet, the propitiation for our sins. 
the Prince of Life, the Prince of Peace, and the Great Physician. His righteousness, Rabbi, ransom, rest, root of Jesse, root of David, refiner, refuge, resurrection. He is the rose of Sharon, blossoming in the shades of hell, whose sweat, tears, and blood quenched for all believers the fires of hell and closed the crater of damnation with foliage, fruit, and flowers. He is ruler, redeemer, rock of ages, regenerate breath, rekindling the death fires on the soul's altars and restoring the broken strings of the spirit's heart and tuning them to heaven's harmony. He is the stone, the shepherd, the son of God, the son of man. He is our shield when we need defense. He is a sinless sacrifice when we need forgiveness. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the teacher, the truth of God, the tabernacle, He is heaven's treasure and the tree of life. He's the witness, the word of God, the way and the wisdom of God. He is altogether the wonderful one. He is the sweetest name on mortal tongue, the sweetest carol ever sung. Dr. Richard Rowell said of him, He is most righteous in his rule, most lustrous in his love, most famous in his fullness, most cautious in his care, most gracious in his grace, most precious in his peace, most judicious in his justice, most bounteous in his blessings. All the glorious platitudes that could be given to anyone contained in the thousands of languages of mankind. None could ever be found to adequately describe the glory and the majesty and the wonder that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God said, and his name shall be called Wonderful. And he also said his name shall be called Counselor. He is called Counselor because he takes care of the uncertain decisions of life. My friend, the world of unregenerate unbelief that is in rebellion against the will of God and the standards of God is not the answer to what you may be looking for in life. The affairs of this present world system will never bring wisdom and joy and contentment. It will never satisfy the longings of a person's soul and spirit. I know in years past I've wallowed in the affairs of this rebellious world, and I can promise you there is nothing out there which will bring you peace and tranquility. It will not bring you into harmony with who and what you are. The world of unregenerate mankind cannot tell you how to live because they do not know how to live. They do not know how to live in such a way that it will bring the lasting peace and joy that mankind so desperately desires. There is only one place where the honest and truthful counsels of life reside. And that is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In him and in him alone can be found peace with God and peace with ourselves in this life and in the life to come. He came. He died for our sins. And the Bible said he was raised again from the dead for our justification and he ascended back to heaven. And he left us with a book that has his answers to our decisions and the counsels of life that we need. 
It is inside the covers of Christ's word of the living God that we find any and all the answers for life that we need. Paul said, If any man think himself to be a a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write in you are the commandments of the Lord. He said again in Colossians, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. All the words of the Bible are all the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just the red letter words. Every single word penned in this book are the words of Jesus Christ. In fact, he is personally called the Word of God. This is his book. The Bible is his counsel to us for all of our faith and our practice in this life. Before the Bible was complete as we have it today, today, the Jews had something unique that we do not have. They had what was known as a Urim and a Thummim. It enabled the priests to be able to receive direct communication from heaven for questions that they may have. I'd kind of like to have a Urim like David the king had available to him. David said to the priest, bring me the Urim. And the priest did so. David asked God, do we go up to fight the Philistines or do we stay down here? God said back to him through the use of this Urim, go up and I'll deliver them into your hands. Now that'd be nice to have a Urim or a Thurman, but we don't have those methods in our day. But we do have our own way of knowing the will of God and how to make right decisions in this life. And even though we don't have that Urim or Thurman, the Lord has not left us without a way to get the answers for our lives that we need. While this may be a longer subject than I can cover in this short message, we can have the answer. And it is in the Lord Jesus Christ, it will always be the right answer. Our gracious Lord has not simply saved us and left us here to grope around in this life void of directions for making what are sometimes life-altering decisions. We can know. How can we know and how can we get the answers? This book, the Word of the God, the words of Jesus Christ, the Bible, has the answer. He's called our counselor. He's called the mighty God. He's called the mighty God in the Bible because of who and what he is. Jesus Christ is the God who is eternal and who has existed from everlasting to everlasting. He is not a lesser created God. He is the mighty God. From Genesis to Revelation, He is God. Isaiah 43.3 says, For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. He says on further down, I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. He says in another chapter in Isaiah, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I guideth thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I I make peace. I, the Lord, do all these things. He goes on to say that he's 
The Lord God, the Old Testament is the Savior and there's none beside him. The living God who revealed himself to Israel in the Old Testament says he is the Savior and he is the only Savior and God. But when we come over to what is called the New Testament, we find another who is called the Savior of Israel and of the world. That person has a name. And the Bible says, and they shall call his name Jesus. The one true living God is the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify in himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. That was Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 and 14. Jeremiah the prophet said, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glory, glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exerciseth loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in this earth, For in these things do I delight, saith the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is that mighty God. Then number four, he's called the everlasting father. He's the everlasting father because he had no beginning and he'll have no ending. In the book of Acts, there's a passage concerning the apostle Paul and the church in Ephesus. He called the elders together and he preached to them and he told them this. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. Paul was leaving. He had been in Ephesus for some three years, preaching and converting men and women to Jesus Christ. But it came time for him to leave, and he knew through the leadership of the Spirit of God, that he'd never be able to return. Now, I was not there, and I can imagine that there were some folks there in that crowd who, when they heard Paul say that they would see his face no more, some who must have thought, well, that's just great. What are we going to do now? Now that we are not going to have Paul around anymore to teach us and the Tell us the things of God and about grace and about Jesus Christ. What are we going to do now? Paul was leaving that church as Ephesus. He was the one who had won these people and discipled these people to Jesus Christ. What were they going to do? He was leaving, and he was leaving them for good. Well, I'm sure what these people came to realize was that God was still going to be God long after Paul the Apostle was gone from this earth. Paul told them, as long as you continue to rightly divide the word of God, you will be okay. The greatest gift that I can or could ever leave behind to my family and all my loved ones is the realization that there is an everlasting Father in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who will always be there for them if they will simply surrender to him and his will and his ways of life. He is the mighty God. Whatever circumstances of life we find ourselves in, 
never, never lose the sight of the fact that He is and always be Almighty God. His name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and then number five, the Prince of Peace. I suppose that everyone I've ever met in this life wants peace in their lives. But sadly, many have no idea how to find it or how to have it. I can promise any and all this one thing. You will not find it out there in the affairs, philosophy, and pursuits of the world. You will not find what you're looking looking for out in the world of unregenerate mankind. It's not there. Bucket lists are not going to bring you lasting and satisfying peace. Folks become involved in lots of worldly matters, seeking that one simple or single matter that will finally bring them some measure of satisfaction and peace and even some meaning to their lives. There is something in every person born into this flesh that is hollow and empty inside of them. That hollow emptiness is found in their lack of fellowship with their God. Doing and going and having may bring us what we think is happiness for a short period of time, but it is fleeting and it is temporary at best. The only person who can give lasting and satisfying peace is the Lord Jesus Christ and sincere fellowship in and with Him on our part. Words will not do the trick. When I was a young person, people would often ask me what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be when I became a man. I used to think about it a great deal, and eventually at some point in my life, I came to the conclusion that I just wanted to have a peaceful, normal life and just go about my life minding my own business. I did not realize it at the time, but I was quoting what Paul told some people in 1 Thessalonians 4, and that you studied to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. He later in the next book told these people in Thessalonica, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord Jesus Christ can and will take care of the internal peace that he provides in spite of what the external circumstances of life may be. The kind of peace that's in Jesus Christ comes through the Holy Spirit of God that provides internal peace. And it's not conditioned upon the external circumstances of life. For the most part, people have the idea that if the external circumstances which surround us will just kind of cooperate and fall into place the way we want them, that's going to bring us peace. But that's not true, lasting peace. Peace does not come from the presence of good circumstances and the absence of bad circumstances. Peace comes from within. 
produced by the Spirit of God in the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace totally apart from the outward circumstances of life. Unless a person's life is surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, he or she is must be living in fellowship and devotion to him. Unless that's true, they'll never have or find peace when the tragedies of life come their way. And they will come their way and everyone's way. Surrender and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ must come first before the peace of God. Our relationship with Jesus Christ before the hard times come brings peace when they come. It is relationship first before the tragedies and the hardships and the disastrous affairs of life permeate our being. First must come our relationship with and in Jesus Christ. There's nothing spooky about that. The special peace of God that passeth all understanding, the Bible says, it comes from within by the Spirit of God through the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't claim to have all the answers that people ask in their lifetime. Sometimes there are just no answers. There are plenty of things that people may be able to ask me that I'll never know the answer to, but I'm convinced. And as Paul said, I am persuaded that he has the answers and that he knows and that he cares and he is the Prince of Peace. Dr. Carl Green was a preacher of years gone by. He had a son who enlisted in the military and was sent off to the war in Vietnam. Dr. Green said, I prayed for my son several times a day that God would keep him safe, that he wouldn't let any harm come to my son while he was over in that war in Vietnam. He said, one night I was on my knees praying and I heard a knock at my front door. He said, I got up from prayer and I went to answer it and there were some men in uniform at the front door with a letter to give to me concerning the death of my son. He had been killed in combat in Vietnam. Dr. Green said that he closed the door, returned back to his place of prayer, and got down on his knees and said, Oh God, I prayed for you all this time to keep my son safe from harm. said in a few moments of time, Dr. Green said, I did not hear an audible voice. But it was as if my Lord spoke to my heart and said, Carl, your son is safer now than he's ever been before. I understand that sometime after that, he said, even though I've missed my son every single day of my life, the promised peace of God that passeth all understanding has kept my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. If we all live long enough, we will all eventually lose many of the people that we love and depend on and care deeply for. And we'll miss them very 
very much. There's no doubt. But if we and they are in Jesus Christ, we are certain, certain through the promises of God that are in Jesus Christ to see them again. Why? Because God has given us this eternal promise. The Lord Jesus Christ is wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And as Paul said, grace be to all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. And God bless you all.